Amen, amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. Don't, don't we have an amazing worship team? Aren't they awesome? They're incredible. They're so awesome. So good. I love them. And I love worship. And if you have your Bibles with me, we're going to go ahead and jump into God's Word. We're going to be reading in Galatians. Uh, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. I'll give you a couple of seconds to go there. Galatians chapter 6. Um, and here we can learn about the fruits of the Spirit. But we're going to go before that. And, uh, and we're going to look at a part of Scripture that I feel like and I think that the Batesy Church, we're doing a good job of. We're doing a, good, we're doing a pretty good job of this in some places, but we could always get better. And I believe that the theme behind this scripture is something that this church strives to do well. And I've felt it, I've experienced, experienced it while I'm here. And so the theme behind this is something I've walked through, I've been a part of, I feel like this church tries to emulate. And, uh, and this, is a, this is a place in scripture where I feel like a lot of people get turned off, not from Jesus, but from the church. But also, it's a point in Scripture, and, it, and it's a theme, and it's, and it's a reality that if you can buy into it, and if the church could be this, then we can really make a difference in the world, and we could really make a difference in our own life. And the title of today's message is called Into the Light, and I'm really excited that I get to be here. For those of you guys who don't know who I am, my name is Jacob. I'm the student pastor here at Better Life, and uh, so get to hang out with all of our students and work alongside our amazing Kids ministry staff, they're phenomenal. Uh, a couple of things I just want to let you know about if you're a college student, uh, between the ages of 18 all the way up to 25, uh, we're going to have for the very first time ever in April, coming up in a couple of weeks, a college night. It's going to be on a Wednesday night, first Wednesday night in April, 10 p.m. to midnight. Hello. We're going to have some free B-dubs out in here. I mean, who doesn't want some free B-dubs? And uh, we're going to have a good time. We're just going to reach, we're, we're going to try something to reach the campus. And if it works out, we're going to keep going throughout the fall and the spring. And we just really believe that God's going to bless it. So if that's you and you haven't heard about it, here's me telling you about it. It's coming up in April. You'll hear more about it as time goes on. Also, we just got back from our high school students. We just got back from an amazing conference. We saw three students give their life to Jesus last weekend. It was awesome. It's great. It was great. So much fun. And, uh, and then coming up next Wednesday, we're doing something for our middle schoolers. We're actually having a middle school retreat. It's going to be on a Wednesday night into Thursday. It's Round County Spring Break, all right, so they don't miss school. So it's going to be crazy. It's an overnight experience. Drop them off at youth. It's like five bucks. That pays for their snacks and their food and breakfast because we're going to get them all hyped up on donuts at 7 in the morning and send them home. And uh, so that's going to be next Wednesday. So if you want more information about that or you have a, a, a kid or a student that you know about, we have some information and some sign-up sheets and some permission slips back at the youth area. We, I would love to. Listen, those are game-changing moments. Those are catalyst moments in your student's life. And I really would, would, would really implore for you to, to be involved in that. So anyways, going back into God's Word, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, this is what Paul says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, any sin, any problematic, behavior, any disruptance in their walk with God, if anyone is caught in that, you who are spiritual, you Christians, us Christians, you should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, not in a spirit of anger, not in a spirit of condemnation, not in a spirit of guilt, not in a spirit of shame, but in a spirit of gentleness. This is Paul talking to the church saying, this is your responsibility as Christians, as fellow believers, when someone sins, when someone transgresses, it is up to you to help bear the burden, to help restore them in a spirit of gentleness. So keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted by what they're going through. Bear one another's burdens. 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. I, I'm, I'm a youth pastor, so I, I really like repeat and, and, and answer type of things. So can we, can we do this together? Can everybody say bear? bear. One another's bear. burdens. I saw some people a little sour face there. We're going to do it again. Bear, bear. one another's bear. burdens. You sound great. That's awesome. You guys sound awesome. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. And verse 5 is not mutually exclusive because what he's saying is you have a, you have a thing uh, that you have to bear. You have uh, sins that you have to deal with. But at the same time, you, we should also bear one another's burdens. And so I really want to talk about this theme. The theme of you can't fight sin in the dark. You have to bring it to the light. You can't fight sin in the dark. You can't hide it away. You can't sin your sin away. You can't shame your sin away. You can't isolate yourself your sin away. You can't fight sin in the dark. You have to bring it to the light. You have to expose it. My belief here, because I've walked through this as well, is that there's many amazing young women Young men of God, there's amazing saints of God in this room. And you've received salvation, but you don't necessarily have the full freedom of that gift because there's this one thing, this weight, as Hebrews calls it, or this sin in your life that's holding your back and you're not walking in the fullness that God has given you because you haven't confessed it. You've hid it. And the Bible says, Paul is saying, we need to bring it to the light. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to lean on each other. Only then can we have to true freedom. You can't fight sin in the dark. You have to bring it into the light. Have you guys ever um, done something wrong when you were a kid and you tried to hide it? Come on, has it, have you ever, I'm not talking about like, like novice stuff, like, oh, I stole a cookie from the cookie jar. No, I'm talking like big stuff. Come on now. You ever done something you weren't supposed to do? All right, and you tried to hide it. I'll never forget, uh, I, I was, I think at this point I was middle school, maybe, maybe early high school, but I'm pretty sure middle school, and I had a, a dirt bike, and my sister had a go-kart, which means I also had a go-kart, right? <laughs> because, you know, my sister didn't always drive it. So uh, I was driving this go-kart around, just maxing it out, you know, just absolutely maxing out, doing donuts, just doing all this kind of stuff. And I don't know what happened when I was trying to go towards the garage. I don't know if I meant to hit the, the brake and I accidentally hit the gas. I have no idea. But I just went full force, full speed, bam, right into the side of the house. Right between the two garage doors, completely cracked all the siding, and I like get out of it, pull it back, and you have that like oh, moment, like oh my gosh, like like my dad's gonna kill me. So I just kind of piece the siding, you know, back together and hope it doesn't fall off, and hope he doesn't see it. Comes home, obviously he sees it. It's right in front of the garage. Jacob, I'll never forget too. Uh, we were. Uh, getting ready for my uh, graduation party, and uh, I was supposed to power wash the house. And I uh, go around to power wash the house, and uh, we had this, like, wooden stained, like, French door or something like that in the front of the house. And, you know, I'm just power washing the front porch, and I go to the, to the wooden stained French door, whatever it is, you know. And I, go, and I go and I hit the power wash, and I notice whenever I hit the power wash, you know, it cleaned so well because the rest of the door was brown. But this one was, like, kind of grayish-white. I was like, oh, my gosh, this door is so dirty. So I just kept doing it with the power washer. And then I realized what I was doing after like this couple like Zorro Z's was I'm removing the stain. And so I did what any logical high school student would do. Well, if I just remove the stain of the whole door, <laughs> they'll never know, right? You just kind of try to cover up, 
your tracks. Uh, a story that my, uh, and I don't know how much of the stain I removed. I think I removed the entire stain, but I totally got caught, you know. And uh, one of, the, one of the, my dad's favorite stories, my dad's also a pastor, and he used to embarrass me when I was younger, but now it's, it's a great story. Uh, whenever I was really little, I don't know how young I was, I, I don't know, three or four, maybe younger, but probably three or four. And uh, my dad was making like something on the stove. I don't know if it was like macaroni, I have no idea. But I was just tall enough to be able to kind of peek over top of the stove. And I got to see the elements of the stove turn bright red. And, you know, a three or four-year-old, whenever they see these bright red elements on a stove, it's like a fly to a lot. You know, it's like, I got to touch it. You know, I just got to reach that. And my dad, he would look at me and he'd say, Jacob, don't touch it. It's hot. And I'd be like, yeah, it's hot. <laughs> just stare at it, right? Just <laughs> Jacob, don't touch it, it's hot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times he said it, probably four or five times. Then he goes, he removes whatever it was on the stove, and as soon as he does it, I just touch it, you know, and then run. <laughs> and then it was just like, I mean, it was like God in Genesis, you know what I mean? Whenever they went and they hid, like, like acting like God wouldn't find him, I go behind the, like, the recliner in the living room, and he, Jacob, where'd you go? <laughs> knew, he knew what I did, you know, and where'd you go? And I'm going, what happened? I wouldn't tell him, Not, nothing, nothing. <laughs> You know, my hands like completely, like I had like, like an element burn on my hand, like the, the shape of the stove. I try to hide. See, I know we kind of laugh about those things because it happened in our childhood, but we don't really grow out of that as adults a lot of times. Whenever something goes wrong, we still try to hide it. It's human nature. We see it in the Garden of Eden. Whenever they sin, they try to hide. We still do this. Whenever something goes wrong in our life, I don't know if it's for fear of being found out, for fear of people thinking less of us, but we're, oh man, they can't see that. But here's the thing. You can't fight sin in the dark. You have to bring it into the light. An amazing story to illustrate this, and it's really, it's a sad story, is found at the Last Supper, right before Jesus goes to the crucifixion. Look at what happens here. We find light to someone who is hiding a sin the entire time of Jesus' ministry in the dark and never brought it to the light. Look at what it says here. After Jesus has said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and he testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved most. It's funny, see John's writing this and he, he never says John, but he's literally being like, the one that Jesus loved most, it's me. Like that's, it's John, he's right. It, how, how full of himself is he here? The one whom Jesus loved most was reclining next to him. Simon Peter mentioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. And so John leaned back and said, Lord, who is it? Who's going to betray you? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then dipping it in the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the mill understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charged the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. It was in the dark. What's amazing about the story, what's crazy about the story, is Simon, I mean, sorry, Judas was stealing money from the ministry of Jesus the entire time that he was with Jesus. This is one of Jesus' disciples. This is his boy. I mean, if you're going to steal from, I'm not saying you should steal from somebody, but if you're going to steal from anybody, I, I don't think it should be Jesus. But he started out his ministry, and you know the first time it was just a temptation. Hey, uh, Judas, I'm gonna, I want to let you keep the money, so that way you can, you can be in charge of the money, you can feed everything. Okay, Jesus, yeah, that's cool. You should take something. You know the first time it was just a temptation. 
It was just a voice in his head. But instead of going to the other disciples, hey, John, you know the one that Jesus loved most? Hey, yeah, come here. Hey, I had this thought that I should take some of the money, man. I just, I just need some help with this. He doesn't. It's silent. It's even so much like not part of the character that he portrayed that even though Jesus said, whoever I did this in and give it to him, he's going to betray, the disciples didn't even think then that it could be Judas. He had him that fooled. Because it was such a, a sin that he was doing in the dark. Look at what it says here. John says this. Judas Iscariot, he, t- he talks about his real character, was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas had this silent sin. It started as a temptation, a voice in his head. But over time, stealing money from Jesus, stealing money from Jesus, using it for himself, it led all the way up to the point that he would literally sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. See, that's how sin works, though. Like when Jesus talks about the leaven of the Pharisees or the yeast and the bread, it's, it's a perfect analogy. It starts out so small, then it rises so much. Oh, it's, just, it's just that one time. It's just that one thing. It's not that big of a deal. What an amazing illustration. Look at what Paul says again in Ephesians. He says, for you were once darkness, us, me, you. Anyone who, were, who was dead in our sin, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Stop living in the darkness, but rather expose them. Bring them into the light. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But rather, everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Look at what he says here. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Everything. Everything that is illuminated, everything that was once in darkness that you bring into the light becomes a light. What does that mean, Jacob? Here's a really good analogy. You you remember the the Sunday school story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Anybody remember that story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in a foreign land in Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar made this golden statue. And he said, anyone who doesn't bow down to the statue that I've made and worship it, I'm going to throw into this fiery furnace. Obviously, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't, they don't follow what he says. And they said, no, my God's greater than your God. He'll, he's able to, ser- to save us. But even if he doesn't, he's still a good God. So Nebuchadnezzar throws them into the fiery furnace. They had a problem. And it was called barbecue. They were about to be it. They had a real problem. They are about to be thrown into a furnace. Completely killed. Fried. KFC. Fried. Sizzled. And in the middle of that fire, Jesus shows up and delivers them out of it. And because of the problem they went through, because of the fire furnace they walked through, in Jesus' name, Nebuchadnezzar changed his heart and he became to believe in the God of Israel. And his faith was changed because of their obedience. Listen, some of you all, you have a problem right now. No one knows about it. It may not be a sin, but like what the author of Hebrews says, it's a weight. Some of you guys, you may be dealing with anxiety or depression. It is a weight. It is holding you down, and you haven't told anybody. You're not walking the full freedom that God's given you. Listen, that problem that you have right now when you walk through in Jesus' name, when you come out on the other end, will be a platform for you to witness and talk about the gospel. That problem you have right now will become, in Jesus' name, a platform for you to stand on and say, hey, I struggled with this, I went through this, but I came out of it. Look what Jesus has done. And that problem that was once your problem is now a problem for the enemy because it witnesses about Jesus and tells about God. And that problem is now a purpose in your life to give other people purpose in their life because they said, hey, I'm dealing with that too. Everything that was once, see, if you don't want your problems to have purpose or meaning, don't follow Jesus. 
Because the second you follow Jesus, you say, hey, I've been through this. I'm going through this right now, but I'm going to expose it. And I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to get this sin out. I'm going to expose it into the light. I'm going to get it out of the darkness. The second you begin to do that and have victory over that, you can now go to other people and say, hey, come through that too. I've been through it too. And everything can become a light to show people the gospel in Jesus' power. Look at this, James 5, 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. John three twenty says this, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come from the light, lest his work should be exposed. Jesus talking about the end of times, it's how everything's gonna be uncovered. He says, but there's nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be shown. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed up on the housetops. Listen, some of you are really good at business, really good at business. You're really good at music. You're really good at what you do. Listen, if you're really good at business, I love a couple tips on how to make a meal. I mean, that'd be awesome. Just me and you can meet right after this. I'll give you free lunch, free lunch. Some of you guys are really good at what you do, but the Bible is very clear about this. Your craft can take you further than your character can sustain you. And if you're not careful, if you don't have the character, if you're not saying, hey, listen, I'm dealing with this. I need to bring this into the light. If you're not careful, your craft will take you further because you have success, because you think you got it all together and other people look at you that way. And it will take you further than your character can sustain you. And then there will be a fallout. Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your integrity, whether it's with your kids, Deal with it now. Get it into the light now. Bring it out now. Expose it now because I'm telling you, your craft, because some of you, you are talented. You are awesome at what you do. God has given you an amazing gift, but it will take you further than your character can sustain you. You've got to bring it out. You've got to get it out. Look at what Proverbs 28, 13 says. He who conceals his transgressions, he who conceals it, puts it in private, they won't prosper. It's like a cancer. It's on the inside and it eats you out. It it takes over you. I'll never forget, I was uh, preaching at a church uh, it was, it was somewhere outside of Pittsburgh. I'll be honest with you, I don't exactly know exactly where. It was somewhere in Pennsylvania, about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. And I uh, got on preaching, and it was, it was a totally different experience. I mean, it was a very, very different experience. Uh, there was actually a couple guys that were the elders of the church, and they, um, they sat in these really big chairs, and they looked at the congregation the entire time. It was kind of, hello. It's a really different experience. And uh, afterwards, though, I was like, man, I don't really know how well that landed, but let's get some lunch and let's head out. <laughs> it's one of those type of services. And this lady came up to me, and she was, had to be in her upper 80s, maybe even younger 90s, and an elderly lady, and she, she was just bawling. And she says, I just want to let you know, I've never told anyone this before. But for years, years, probably longer than my lifetime, she said, I want to let you know I've been struggling with anxiety and depression. My husband, he's still alive, he doesn't know. My kids, they don't know. My grandkids don't know. My great-grandkids don't know. You're the first person I've told. I do not know what you're going through, but that day she began to start walking in victory. She began to start, because she exposed what was behind. It doesn't have to be a sin. Maybe it's a weight, as Hebrews says. Maybe it's something that's holding you back. You need to bring it into the light. You cannot send your sin away, shame your shame away. You cannot weigh your weight away. 
You have to bring it into the light. I love this. Uh, if you're if you're a his, history buff, you got to look up Dietrich Bonhoeffer, amazing double spy in the World War. He, he's awesome Christian man too, amazing writings. But look at this quote that he says. We're going to walk through this together. It's pretty lengthy, but it's really good. It says this: He who is alone with his sin is utterly alone. It may be that Christians, notwithstanding corporate worship and going to prayer and having fellowship in their services, they may still be left alone to their loneliness. The final breakthrough that they need to fellowship doesn't even occur because even though they have fellowship with one another as believers and as devout people, they do not have fellowship as the undevout or as sinners. The pious fellowship permits no one to be a sinner. So everybody must conceal his sin from himself and from the fellowship. We dare not be sinners in church. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. The fact is we are sinners. I think sometimes that is a perfect picture. That's what the enemy wants us to think. You're alone, don't tell anybody. The second you do, they're gonna shame you. They're gonna blame you. They're gonna get you out. They're gonna guilt you, trip, guilt trip you. They're gonna be angry at you. Don't do it. And the enemy from the very beginning has done the same thing. From the Garden of Eden, from the very beginning, it's a formula that he has. You sin, shame, hide, isolate, die. You sin, oh my gosh, I sin, what am I gonna do? I feel shame now. They felt shame in the Garden of Eden. Why am I naked? Adam said, you're not naked. Leave it, leave it, don't cover it up. <laughs> I'm joking. All right, why do I feel shame? Why do I feel lacking? Hide, I need to hide, I need to hide from God. I need to hide from them, I need to hide it, I need to hide it, I need to put it back, then isolate. Don't tell anybody, get away from people, get away from the church, they're just gonna guilt you, and then eventually it eats you away, it becomes death, the cancer. But you cannot sin your sin away. You cannot shame your sin away. You cannot hide your sin away. You cannot isolate your sin away. Only Jesus can do that. You have to bring it into the light and expose it. You need to tell somebody about it. You need to tell somebody who loves you, loves God, and loves the church. You need to tell somebody who loves you, loves God, and loves the church. And listen, it doesn't matter how small. Uh, a, a mom came up to me, a mother came up to me, and she said, you know, I, I was serving last service. I didn't get to hear the message, but my son, who's in middle school, came up to me. He said, Mom, we need to talk after hearing your message last service. I said, oh, no, what did he do? He's in middle school. Or, no, no, he's in elementary school, sorry. He said, elementary school. He said, Mom, uh, after you put me to bed at night, I, uh, I get on YouTube and I watch, uh, like, Fortnite videos and, like, gaming videos for, like, two hours at night, and I stay up super late. I just need to tell you. Isn't it crazy though? You know that horrified that kid because he's like, that's it, I'm found out. I can never do it again. They're taking my phone away. My life's ruined. But isn't it crazy? A kid in grade school can go and say, listen, mom, this is going on. But we think we can't do that to God and to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe it's our fault. Maybe we've, we've made this system where people feel unworthy to come to us, but I also think the enemy buys into that and he puts those voices in your head that says you can't come, you can't tell them because they're not gonna want to listen, they're gonna shame you, they're gonna guilt you, they're not gonna believe. They are going to try to give you a spirit of criticism and anger and not what the Bible says, as Paul says, a spirit of gentleness. There's a, an analogy in scripture, it's a story in scripture, and I think it's a perfect, the perfect picture of how we bear one another's burdens. I'm gonna, need, I'm gonna need someone to help me out with this. Um, I, I need to, uh, listen, I'm a youth pastor. I love illustrations. I love getting people up on stage. And so I'm gonna do that right now. So I just need like the strongest guy that we have in here. This is your chance, you know what I'm saying? This is, I just need like one of the strongest guys that we have in here. I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look at it. Uh, welcome shirt right there, my brother. Yeah, come on, man. I know your name. It's slipping from, right? Yeah, come on up here. Come on up here. Everybody give it up. Awesome. 
Um, and can you just, can you stand right here? Can you stand right here? That'd be awesome. And just, just wait for a second. And then I need, I need a girl who could beat him in arm wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Like, who's just like, that's me. That's it. I'm it. I'm just joking. We're not going to arm wrestle. But I, I see a lady as well, um, someone that can, I can identify. Um, some people are like, I'm not looking at him. Don't look at me. I bet, what about you, Candace? You good? Oh, my gosh. Come on up here. Everyone give it up for Candace. Awesome. Can, can, you, can you tell everybody what your name is? My name's Adam. Adam. Thank you. I was going to call you Daniel. I would have felt terrible. All right. Adam. All right. Awesome. Great biblical name. That's awesome. Candace, can you stand right here for me, please? Thank you so much for doing that. That's awesome. And uh, what we're going to do is, I'm, I know you're so happy to be up here. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to do a Bible illustration, okay? And you're going to be Aaron, all right? And you're going to be her, all right? Which is a funny name for a girl. I'm just going to throw it out there. Who are you dating? Her. Who, her? No, her. Yeah, her. No, her. Which her? Her. I'm confused. That's awesome. All right, so you're gonna be her, you're gonna be Aaron, and I'm gonna be Moses, all right? I'll be Moses, just because I have the microphone, so I get to be Moses, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so we're gonna read the story together real quick, and then we're gonna illustrate it, all right? So check this out, and if you want, you can read it on the big Bibles behind me. This is in Exodus chapter 18, it says this, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and her, who, her, yes, her, went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands and held up the staff, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat down. Aaron and her held his hands up, one side on the other. So really quick, we're gonna illustrate this, okay? So check this out, I'm Aaron. I just sent Joshua to go fight. By the way, by the way, if any, any sports fans in the house, any sports fans in the house, all right, UK fans, have we recovered yet? It's too soon, I know, I know, I know. Uh, but could you imagine if all you had to do, all you had to do for your team to win was to stand like in your living room or on the sidelines and just do this? Think about that. That would be awesome. You'd be on Sports Center tomorrow. Who's that guy? Oh, that guy right there? He's the bomb. As long as he holds that up, they don't lose. Grant Williams doesn't flop, it's awesome. It's great. So you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah? He needs to confess. I'm, telling, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking, I'm going against everything I just said. <laughs> so he got tired, he sat down, and then he had to have his buddies, Aaron and, and her, to come over and, uh, man, I'm tired. Will, will, you, will you hold up my hands? Will you hold up my hands real quick? Just my arm. Yeah, you hold it. Thank you. And then you hold that up too. And literally for like a whole night, for a whole night, they did this. But I'm telling you, if you're, t if, let, let me tell you, if you knew Kentucky would win a game, I'm telling you, I know every single one of you guys would be in your living room just like, let's do it. You'd have your family members. They'd be posted up. You'd have your own chairs just for them to sit in to be comfortable to help hold this up so you make sure they won. But see, that's what happened. As long as, and as long as Aaron, my buddy here, and as long as uh, her or Candace was here, you know, they hold me up, man, I'm just tired. We would win. And as long as this was upheld, the Israelites won. And the next morning we, re we see the Israelites won the battle and the victory was theirs. Can we give it up for Adam and Candace? Thank you so much. Thank you for your illustration. Appreciate it. I realize you didn't have to be super strong. I just think it's fun, you know, just think it's fun. <laughs> awesome job, guys. I love that story because it's a perfect illustration of what it means to bear one another's burdens. Whenever we have something going on and there's a battle we're fighting 
and there's a problem that's happening around us, we need other people to help lift us up. We need other people to help carry the load. And when we don't, we suffer. When we don't, the enemy wins. But as long as we can hold up, as long as we have people to help us hold up, keep our head above water, to keep our faith instilled in Jesus, we'll win. I love that illustration because listen, I know no doubt there are some of us in this room right now, we, we have stuff that no one knows about. Maybe you're holding on to some bitterness and you haven't forgiven somebody and you need to go forgive them. Don't wait on them to come and ask you. Don't think that that'll make it easier or better. You need to go. Maybe some of you this morning, you're dealing with the sin and no one knows about it. You haven't told a soul. Come on, we know the big sins. We know what's going on. We're not above to know that, yeah, people sin. Listen, we're Christians. You know what the prerequisite to being a Christian is? To be a sinner. That's us. That's us. Who do we have if we don't have each other on this earth? Come on. And I'm not saying, I'm not doubting your salvation. I'm just saying you are not walking in the full freedom that God has given you through salvation because there's something deep inside that we're hiding away. And it's rotten. Maybe it's something that you've gotten past, but you just need to confess that, hey, honestly, this, this is a wait. This is a long time ago. I don't even know why. I just feel like I need to, I need to share this with you. Maybe it's a deep hurt. Maybe you're worried right now, but what will they think if I tell you? Listen, the Bible says right now, if, if, if you, if someone's gonna come and speak to you and say, hey, I, need, I have something I need to tell you, don't listen, but don't, don't come at them with the spirit of anger or condemnation. As the Bible says, help restore them with the spirit of gentleness. The Bible says it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Don't guilt them, don't shame them because it will not get rid of it. Only when you come and you say, let, let me help bear the load. Let me help lift you up. Let me help carry what you're going through. Don't get angry. Don't be disgusted. Don't be dismissive. Love them. Care for them. And begin to walk in the freedom that God has given you. Do you realize only one person, person in all of scripture has ever fought sin in the dark and won? No one, no one in scripture, no one has ever fought sin in the dark and won, but one person. Look what it says here in Mark. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, guilty king of the Jews. At noon, darkness, their noon is the same as our noon. It's 12, it's lunchtime. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, three hours of darkness while Jesus was on the cross, paying, suffering, agonizing, but loving people so much that he stayed up there until he said these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He called up his spirit. Only one 
person in all of history fought sin in the dark, and that was Jesus for three hours on a cross so that you could be freed from your sin and so you could be freed of the bondage that it has. But let me tell you, you may be forgiven of your sin, but there's some confessing you need to do to walk in the full freedom God has for you. And it is our responsibility as Christians not to criticize, not to condemn, but to love them. Say, listen, bro, listen, I've never walked through that. Ma'am, I've never, sis, I've never walked through that. But I'm here to help you. Some of you, you've walked through it. And this is your chance for your problem to be a platform. If you say, yes, that was me. I've walked through it. Let me tell you how I have victory in that. Sometimes, honestly, I really believe this right now. There's some of you, it is not a sin. It is a weight. And no one knows. You need to go to somebody who loves you, loves God, and loves the local church. And you need to tell them what's going on. Until you do that, I really believe you, you won't walk in the full freedom that God has. I'm not doubting your salvation. I'm just saying you won't walk in the full freedom that God has for you. Listen, confessing your sins to a friend, to a fellow Christian, does not forgive you of those sins, but it frees you from them. Only confessing your sins to Jesus forgives you from them, but you still need to be free from the weight of them. I'm gonna ask you guys to bow your heads and we're gonna come to a close. And I believe there's two different types of people in the room. The first type of person you've given your life to Jesus, you're, you're walking this faith walk. But as the Bible had said, and as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, you feel alone in your walk. There's something that you need to confess that you need to share to somebody, but you're afraid of what they'll say. My prayer for you today is that God will give you a spirit of courage and boldness to talk about it. Sir, as a voice is convicting you right now, listen, it's not me, it's the word of God. Don't dismiss it, lean into it. I really pray, God, give them a spirit of courage and boldness to go and share. I really feel like saying this, this service, there's something that I talk to the students a lot about, that there's a difference between hurt and harm. As you're listening right now, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. See, the difference is you can tell something to somebody it may hurt them in the moment, but it won't harm them in the long haul. For instance, I know this is, seems petty, but here's a good example. Your friend comes up to you and says, hey, you shouldn't date them. They're bad news. Man, but I've been talking to him for a while, but I'm just, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? And it hurts you that your friend would say that. But for them to not say it, and you to go through with a poisonous relationship could harm you in the long run. Listen, right now, coming open and sharing with somebody, it may hurt in the moment, but if you keep it in, you bottle it up, I'm telling you, it will harm you in the long run because sin grows, sin eats. It's like the yeast or the leaven in the bread. It grows rapidly and the enemy wants you. Hey, just hide away. You don't need to do that right now. I believe there's another type of person in the room. You've never given your life to Jesus before. And if that's you in this morning, right where you sit, if you want to follow Jesus, you want to begin in a relationship with him, I wanna ask you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it out loud or pray it silently in your head, right where you sit. And pray this, God, forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry. I've blown it. 
forgive me. I believe Jesus died on a cross. He rose from the grave. And I'm declaring Jesus is Lord. Forgive me for my sins. If that's you and you prayed that prayer and you believe in your heart, the Bible says that you are saved. And I would like to know who you are. I would like to be able to pray for you and, and identify with you. And if that's you and you pray this prayer of salvation, you're in, you're in great company already this morning. We've seen people give their life to Jesus. But if that's you, sir, sis, right where you sit, you'd be so bold on the count of three. Would you just raise your hand? No one else looking around. One, doesn't matter who's sitting beside of you. Two, doesn't matter what happened last night before you came in. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, hey, I prayed that prayer of salvation. Today's the day I gave my life to the Lord. Awesome, thank you, thank you. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray, and whenever I begin to pray, our team members that serve in the next step area, they're gonna stand up and they're gonna walk to the back. And if, for those who prayed that prayer of salvation, will you stand up with them? No one else is looking, no one else is watching, and go on to the back, beat the crowd out, take your stuff with you. And we have some team members that would love to connect with you. Remember, you can't do this walk alone. And we have a gift we would like to give you to help jumpstart this new journey you're on in relationship with Jesus. God, we love you. And we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. We thank you for this morning through worship, through opening your word, that we can grow. Lord, not, not to bring up old hurts, but Lord, so that we can confess some things, so that we can walk in the freedom, so that we can begin to live the best life that we could possibly live, full of purpose, helping other people come out of what they're coming out of. And Lord, right now I pray that if any of us have someone to come to us, that we would restore them in a spirit of gentleness, not anger, not condemnation, but give them hope and give them love. They would experience the weight being lifted off their chest, like I've already talked to so many this morning doing. Give us boldness and courage to have these conversations and to have them well. Thank you for meeting us here this morning. It's in Jesus' name I ask and I pray. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you'd like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church/givenow. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.